Looking for coffee that can finally give you the flavor and experience you have been missing? Then your next coffee order should be from SeaStateCoffee.com. SeaState Coffee is premium, hand-selected, highest-grade available coffee that is roasted, on order, delivered fresh to you. And right now, you can take 10% off your order by using the code GRIND10. That's G-R-I-N-D and the number 10 for 10% off your C-State coffee order. Head over to cstatecoffee.com so you can enjoy the smoothest and most caffeinated coffee available. Start your day off right with C-State coffee. This week on the Route 1-6 Grind, in the Outdoor Update Special Edition, we discuss public lands and more with Libertarian candidate for President Dr. Joe Jurgensen. And from the field, I am going to discuss some of the hunts I'm planning on in 2020. In our on-target segment, Instructor One from Riker USA shares with us his personal analysis of police reform. In the rock, mud, and dirt, I'm going to provide a field report from my recent trip to Uwari with Root the Jeep rolling on some new Nexon Rodian MTX tires. Then we wrap up the show with a cup of joe. Route 16 Grind, Episode 28. Doctor, more liberty, please. The Route 16 Grind is sponsored by Sea State Coffee, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, and Route 16 Off-Road. The Route 16 Grind, the podcast for outdoor adventurers. Each week, we bring you information related to off-road and outdoor activities. If you wheel, hunt, fish, overland, or are an all-around adventurer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we pour a cup of sea steak coffee and talk about informative topics, the gear, and the training that can help you have a successful outdoor adventure. We have amazing contributors and some great conversation. So, grab your cup and enjoy the show. Here are your hosts. All right, welcome back to the Route 16 Grind. I'm Brian, one of your hosts. I'm going solo this time. It's starting to get a trend here, but it's okay. Uh, Fourth of July weekend, family's in with Ethan, so I'm going to go ahead and run this show solo, and hopefully we'll be back next week, but I got a big show planned for you. This is one I've been really looking forward to. I got Dr. Joe Jurgensen. That's going to be a part of our special interview tonight. I'm looking I'm very excited for this. And uh, we're going to focus on some public land access and some other things. And uh, I'm very fortunate to have uh, the time we're going to have with her. She's getting up in the polls and she's getting some traction. And for us to, you know, a little small time here to get her time uh, and uh, be able to ask some questions uh, that are going to be a part of the national platform. Hey, pretty honored. And I hope you are too. And, you know, definitely check out her campaign. Uh, That's going to be in the notes and stuff like that. But uh, we also, I got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Instructor One brought up some really good things on his five pillars of police reform he's going to talk about. I'm going to have some comments on that. Uh, I'm going to talk about some hunts this this year that I want to plan. And, you know, went out to Uwari this weekend. I had a whole bunch of stuff. So you guys go ahead and sit back, get ready, because we're going to dive in. We appreciate your posts and feedback. One of the best ways to help us out and help the show out is to post a five-star review with your feedback on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. This helps us grow the Route 16 Grind audience, and we also get a chance to hear from you. So if you love the show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts today. 
The Outdoor Update is brought to you by Tuffy Security Products. Having your vehicle broken into is not a laughing matter. Trust Tuffy Security Products to stop opportunistic thieves. Tuffy is the industry leader in automotive security and provides peace of mind when you walk away from your rig. Durable and easy to install. Tuffy Security Products has adventure-ready consoles, drawers, and lockboxes available for you to organize your rig and secure your gear. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. Remember to lock it up. Welcome back to the Outdoor Update, the weekly segment where we provide you the stories, news, and information from the recent going-ons in the outdoor world. Tonight, we have a special guest interview. She is a senior lecturer in psychology at Clemson University. She holds a PhD in industrial organizational psychology, has a master's in business administration, owned two different software businesses, and founded a business consulting company. She was a Libertarian Party's candidate for South Carolina's 4th Congressional District in 1992, Libertarian Party vice presidential nominee with Harry Brown in 1996, and now the current Libertarian Party candidate for president, Dr. Joe Jurgensen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Route 16 Grind. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, I really appreciate it. You're coming on, and we've been talking as far as your campaign, and you're you're right now, you're gaining a lot of traction and a lot of attention right now, and I want to keep you out of trouble with your campaign team by maintaining <laughs> your schedule, so I want to dive right into it. So all the activities we discuss on this podcast, like hunting, fishing, off-roading, camping, overland traveling, each of these activities is best supported for all of us to enjoy through public land access. As this ties into an important issue for many Americans, the environment, what is your plan for access, land management, and hopefully growth in regards to more accessible public land? Well, first, do you mind if I back up and nope. say that I came from a family with hunters? My dad was a huge hunter. I grew up, he had a gun case with about 15 rifles sitting there. I went duck hunting with him. My sister went elk hunting. So, yes, we um, were a family that hunted together. And I noticed that you also do Jeep off-roading. You talk about that too, right? Absolutely. Yes. And I did own a Jeep, a Jeep Wrangler, which my um, mother and a few other people were appalled that I had a Jeep Wrangler and not a, a quote-unquote safer car. They were appalled that I was going to be driving my two little kids around in, but it was so much fun, especially with the uh, doors off. So I'm all with you on the public access. So we believe, strongly believe, that the private market, that private companies, that charities, uh, people like Audubon Society, anybody will do a better job of taking care of the environment than the government. And I'd like to give you one of my favorite examples. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term tragedy of the commons. Not but I. If you thought it, I'm sorry? No, I, I'm not familiar with that. Okay, well, the concept behind that is that if you've got something in which everybody owns and nobody owns, then there's no incentive to take care of it. So, for instance, if you live, if you're, if you're in college and you're in a, uh, an apartment and there's four roommates, uh, it, the, the last person will use the last of the milk and not worry about it, right? Because I had roommates like that, yes. I know what you're talking exactly, about. Exactly, exactly. So we hear about poachers over in Africa and how they're going after elephant tusks and tigers and how some of those species are becoming extinct. And a lot of people say, well, the federal government should step in. Well, what we have is tragedy of commons because where they are hunting is either owned by the government or 
it's just kind of this common area where really nobody owns it. And so nobody has any uh, in interest or investment into keeping species alive. And I contrast that with, let's say, private ownership. So you take a farmer. Uh, can you imagine a farmer one day saying, uh, going, let's say, going out to his backyard out, out in the farm and shooting all the cows? And coming home to his wife saying, oh, I had a great haul today. I shot all the cows. Look at my great haul. You know, right. he would never do that. Yeah, he would never do that because it's in his best interest to breed the cows and to look at it long term. Whereas tragedy of the commons, when nobody is taking care of it and anybody can just poach and take what they want. Now we don't have any um, environmentalism going on. We don't have anybody who's really... Uh, putting care where it needs to be. Now, well, speaking with hunting right there, well, as far as like private property, if uh, I own a bunch of land and I still want a deer hunt, I still have to yep. pay the state for a license. If I want to fish in my pond, <laughs> I need to pay the state a license oh. to harvest that. How does that tie in? Oh, that's obscene. It just shows, and, and not only that, but if you think about your property taxes, if you own your own home, that you pay every year, it's almost as though you don't own your property. It's almost like you're renting it from the government because if you don't pay your taxes, they'll come and confiscate it. So we don't think that there should be any type of licensing laws like that because it generally hurts the people who can't afford them. And why do we need to do that? What, you know, what, what's the purpose? Why do the people in government, why do the people in Washington or whatever state capital you live in, whatever state you live in, why do they think they can manage resources better than you or I or some uh, private company like my dad? And, and I, I admit, I have been keeping up lately with the different foundations, but I know my dad used to belong to Ducks Unlimited. Are they still around? They are still around. They are still around. So I don't know. Who would you trust more, the federal government or Ducks Unlimited? I think I would trust Ducks Unlimited a lot more than the government. Yeah, I think they're definitely getting uh, some uh, private organizations more involved. There's a lot of them out there and a lot more educated. And on top of it, it just you brought in the whole incentive plan. But with those licenses fueling a lot of the conservation dollars that helps with these environments, how does that turn around? Because that's going to, you know, that's going to be the argument. Well, if you don't sell a license, we can't take care of the area. But if, if we hand that over to a private institution, like, you know, let's say Ducks Unlimited, far as this game land area, you're looking at possibly where that money now becomes just through private donations and stuff, right? Well, I would suggest whoever owns the property charges an appropriate fee. Now, if you own the property yourself, as you mentioned, then why do you need to pay anybody? It's like, why do you need to pay somebody just to build a swimming pool in your backyard? If somebody has a private hunting reserve, then they can charge what they think is needed. So, and if you look at, let's take, you know, let, let's go out of the hunting sphere. Let's look at, let's say, Disney World compared to a government-run public park. Disney World is going to do a much better job because it's in their best interest to make the place look nice so that customers will come back, so that people will come back, as opposed to a public park. What do they care? Right. And it'll probably run more efficiently. It'll probably be 
less costly and absolutely more safe for sure with all oh, yeah. that stuff. Um, the, uh, so far as like, uh, going back to like the off road and far as those things, one thing that I realized is all these things kind of tie together, whether I go out with my Jeep into this area, I go out, I want to go fishing, I want to go hunting, you know, far as when someone says, Hey, this is only the, the hunting area. What about people that are really, that's their thing. They want to go off road. They want to go in the dunes and stuff like that. Could, could you see where those areas would get cut off? Like, or maybe one would be more favored than the other far as these uh, groups that rely on public land? Well, I can't think of much that the government can do better than private companies. As I said, look at how Disney World treats their public land compared to public parks. However, the, the reality is right now we do have public land. And so I support as much access as it's basically all the access that people want because it is owned by the federal government or state government or whoever it is owned by the people. So they should have access to it. But what I'm saying is I would prefer that the federal government start selling off these lands to either private people or private corporations such as Disney world or um, like that's unlimited and, and let them run them and they will be much more responsive to the hunter's needs than the federal government, that's for sure. Since when is the federal government more responsive to us than, let's say, the local grocery store we go to? Now, far as uh, those areas, you know, we got uh, other things that are going on there, far as uh, waterways and stuff, lakes, creeks, yep. ponds, uh, good, clean water. How do we attack that as well, along with all those other things? Well, we look at pollution as trespassing. And what we have right now is we have the government basically giving license to corporations to pollute waterways, streams, lakes, and again, it's obscene. And I'd like to go back to an example. If you'll remember the Gulf uh, oil. Yes, the BP. Which happened, yes. And so a lot of people looked at that and they said, okay, we obviously need government to step in because, look, corporations like that come in and they just destroy the environment. Well, what a lot of people don't realize is that the government had put a liability cap on that company that was drilling for oil. So they could go in and basically scot-free drill and not worry about the consequences because the taxpayers would pick up, uh, pick up the bill. Now, let's look at a free market system instead in which the company would be responsible, in which the government wouldn't say, uh, no, don't worry. We're gonna, we're gonna relieve you of any responsibility. Imagine if they had to get their own insurance company to come in and pay for any damages. One of two things would have happened. Either the insurance company would have come in and said, you know, this is too dangerous. We're not going to insure you. And the company probably wouldn't have drilled because they would have gone bankrupt if they had any problems. Or the insurance company might have come in and said, you know, it's kind of risky. Tell you what. We will insure you, but we're going to come out here and make weekly or monthly checks just to make sure you're following the safety regulations because we don't want to have to pay out any claims. So you've got the profit motive trying to keep the environment cleaner because they don't want to have to pay out. But with the politicians in Washington, what do they care? It's not their money. It's, it's the taxpayer's money. 
It's a valid point. I mean, I, you do pay for it. That's one of the things that bugs me so bad. Uh, you made a good point with your private property. You're paying taxes for that because do you really own it? If I don't do something in that zone or whatever the case, someone's going to come from my house. Uh, same thing with licenses. I'm paying money. So everything does come at a cost. As much as we like to think that everything is free currently with all this quote unquote public access, we are paying fees. I want to go camp. I still have to pay a fee. So all these yep. things do add up uh, with many things. And then on top of it, the tax dollar that come in from this bill, that bill. Yeah. So I think that's, that's a valid point And it's something that people should look at when they look at you for president. So is there anything that you really want to say with the audience here and you really want to connect with talking about environment or any other platform that you have? Well, I'd like to touch briefly on health care, if you don't mind. No, absolutely. Of, what yeah. What we're hearing politicians say is, you know what? The free market didn't work. So we're going to have to go to single payer. We're going to have to go to Medicare for all. Well, when I hear the term Medicare for all, what I hear is VA hospital for all. And we saw and see now what an atrocious job they're doing for our veterans who deserve so much more. When do monopolies work better than the free market, than people competing for our business? And what's really funny is people on the left typically don't like big corporations. They don't like monopolies. But when it comes to health care, all of a sudden it's, oh, sure, no problem. Let's turn it over to a monopoly. You got to get them campaign dollars in. Exactly. So what I want to do is I want to go to a more free market system. If you look at our health care, the only two specialties which are even close to being free market would be cosmetic surgery and LASIK surgery. Because with both of those specialties, the insurance companies don't pay it. You do. You have to pay for it out of your own pocket. So what that means is doctors have to compete for your business. And what we've seen over the past 20 years is prices go down dramatically and quality go up. We see prices go down faster there than any other field in medicine. So what I would like to see is I would like to see the le- the rest of the healthcare industry go into a free market competition where we've got doctors and hospitals competing for our business. And I don't mean to sound like I'm blaming the doctors. Uh, you know, their hands are tied because of all the red tape from the government. So what we need to do is get the government out of health care. And the prices really didn't start going up until the government got involved. And one last point, Singapore right now has a system in which people are spending their own dollars for health care, in which there is competition. And their prices are up to 75% less. So, for instance, in our country, um uh, heart bypass surgery costs something like $130,000. Over there, it costs 18000 which is still a lot of money, but people spend $18,000 on a car sometimes. So it's not totally out of reach, even if you don't have insurance. Well, it's also interesting on the billing side, because I, I, I remember this. My mother-in-law went to the hospital. She had kind of a tweak. Uh, ankle. It really wasn't mm-hmm. a sprain. I looked at her and when she went to the emergency room, they just loaded her up with as much stuff they could as far as this equipment that she came with one of those plastic boot casts and all this other stuff. I'm like that. It was crazy. All the stuff they gave her, they gave her pain relief, like anything they could put on that ticket to bill. It was, a, it was insane uh, what was going on there. So I think it's a little bit of, uh, you know, the, the business side as far as some of the hospital too could do a little bit better. Now we have a lot of veterans. Oh, and, and, oh I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, do you mind if I respond to that? No, absolutely. I should have just let you respond to that. Yeah, because right now you have to, if you want to build a clinic or something like that, a clinic, a hospital, get a new FMRI machine, you have to prove 
equipment. First of all, why do we even have those? If somebody wants to build a clinic, let them build a clinic. And if they go out of business, they go out of business. And what I would like to see, if, if we have a free market, what you have is you have all sorts of levels. For instance, in the restaurant industry, we started seeing drive throughs and then we see nighttime drive through And then we see, you know, we've got sit-down dining, we've got drive through we've got combination. There's all different permutations of that. Now, if you look at healthcare, what happens if you have an emergency? There are some local kind of, you know, the local clinics, but not many of them. Most people do go to the emergency room, as you mentioned. And what I would like to see is, is, in the free market competitive system, a lot of other options to that. And last, you know, if, if you've got a sprained ankle like that, it can't cost that much. Part of the problem of our health insurance is that it's not really insurance. So imagine if your car insurance, let's say, paid for gas, oil, uh, tune-ups, car washes, Think of how expensive that would become. And then let's say you wanted to go buy gas. Instead of going around for the cheapest price of gas, uh, what you do is you just go to the really nice place that gave you coffee while you waited because all you're doing is you're paying for $5 copay. What do you care? So that's how, the, that's how the prices just get out of control. And so with um, probably if your mother had called the uh, ER beforehand to say how much does this cost, she might not have even been able to get a cost, to get a price. That happened to me when I needed an MRI and I didn't have insurance. I called around to the places to say, hey, how much do you charge? Because I wanted the cheapest price. And they couldn't even give it to me. They said, you have to ask your insurance company. So these people are not competing on price and quality. Now, just real quickly, now we have a lot of veterans uh, that listen to this podcast, and you mentioned mm-hmm. healthcare. So, is there anything you want to talk about veterans who may have those type of benefits from the VA system or whatnot that with your plan for them specifically? Because some of them, that's the only healthcare that coverage they have. Yeah. What I want to do instead of having a monopoly VA hospital system, which has not given the care to veterans that they deserve. I mean, again, veterans, and, and my father was a veteran, by the way, and veterans, their lives. And our response is to give them the VA hospital. That's unconscionable. What I would do is I would give veterans dollars in their pocket. Something like a health savings account system, except instead of them having to save the money, the government would give them the money and then let them spend the money and go out and find the best care they can get and let the doctors compete for their business. Oh, I like that. That sounds pretty good. So I know you've probably got to go. So is there any place where we could find you um, far as where people can follow you, people can donate to your campaign? If someone wants to learn more about you and Spike and what you're going to do for this country, uh, where would they go? Sure. And let me mention one very quickly, uh, since you do have veterans, I want to bring the troops home and turn America into one giant Switzerland, armed and neutral. I want to protect our country, not France, not Germany, not Afghanistan. And a lot of the veterans or a lot of the uh, soldiers overseas supported Ron Paul. I have a similar policy to Ron Paul. So they can go to joj twenty twenty. Again, that's JOJ2020.com. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jurgensen. We would love to have you back anytime before and after you become president. 
you know what? I'll take you up on that offer. This has been great. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. The Red Warren Badge says you're equipped to handle anything, ready to conquer any challenge that may come your way. That badge has stood for off-road excellence for more than 70 years. During that time, we haven't stopped innovating or striving for perfection. Be ready. Be prepared. Go Warren. When you hear the calls, you know we have a report from the field. This week, I'm going to talk about some of my hunts I'm planning on for this year. Now, one of the things I really want to try out, never done it, and something I talked to my son about, my youngest one, is I want to go ahead and uh, put my take a shot at a bear. Now, I thought about going bear hunting last year when I was traveling to Virginia. I think it was like December I was up there, and I was trying to look at going to the Great Dismal Swamp and uh, pulling a tag and going uh, hunt bear hunting there in Virginia. But logistics and time that I had, it just didn't fit. So this year, I'm absolutely planning here in North Carolina to go on a bear hunt. Now, out east, uh, going to the coastal area, I've been hearing nothing from hunters, just things I've been reading about how big they can get. Like five to 700 pounds is what I'm kind of hearing. Maybe it's 700 pounds too big. I don't know. Someone tell me if I'm different. But anyways, regardless, they're big because apparently they don't really hibernate. They they might sleep long in their day during the winter, but they never really go through a hibernation period like some other bears. So they get big out here. Now, both my son and I pull tags and uh, we're, I'm starting to kind of like look at areas. I did talk to a couple outfitters. Uh, there's one I might, in fact, Mortalis, uh, Mortalis uh, Outdoor Adventures. I did speak to them already. Uh, if you remember last year, that's where my son went to go get his uh, harvest for a pig. And we're make, maybe looking at doing a whole weekend of it there. But I definitely want to do some public land hunting as well. So I noticed uh, basically going east and some of the areas there. There's a pretty good population. One of the cool things, and I'm pretty sure every state has that, you can go online to like the North Carolina Wildlife Commission and you can look at the harvest reports for the past few years or, you know, going back for years. So I've been looking at that, what counties success has happened. You know, they, they could break it down, male, female, uh, from all that. And you can see the trends that are there. And I think that's kind of a really good thing from giving, hey, you know what? I'm kind of reborn again hunter and I ain't never hunt no bear. So I'd absolutely want to kind of like look at what is going on in the reports for harvesting and find out what are the areas that I could probably focus on. Then reach out to people that are probably familiar with that area. So that's kind of where I'm at right now on the bear side. Now, as far as deer hunting, absolutely going deer hunting this year. I'm probably going to do a little bit of a mix of you know, I got some lease property that I'm looking at. Uh, met a the the uh, met a met a good dude, and him and his buddy have offered to, you know, put me on their lease. They got a great property. Um, can't tell you too much about it, but a lot of success, potential success there for deer, turkey, um, you know, rabbit, whatever the case may be. And um, I'm really going to spend some time out there. I've done some scouting out there. I definitely need to get into the scouting. Uh, in a couple months, I or shoot, it's July now. Yeah, I'll probably start at the end of this month. I'll start getting in, figuring out, maybe get a couple game cans, put those in. I got a uh, a deer stand, a two seater one, really good. I can't remember the name of it for the life of me, but I want to be able to to hunt with my son, both bow as well as rifle. So that's kind of the plan there. I'm looking forward to it. And there's also some. Uh, if you guys are not familiar. With, if you're not sure, hey, where to go and all that, there's also a couple of places 
Like, uh, I know the NRA, I'm not really a huge fan of the NRA. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I think they uh, haven't done the best when it comes to gun rights. Uh, just putting it out there. I am whatever, some type of Patreon patron. So, I don't know. I'm some, some level, lifetime level with them. And I'm also an instructor for, you know, their pistol and RSO stuff. But yeah, they, they, they could do better. And I'm not going to go that. There you go. Uh, there's some other groups I believe that do a little bit better. But one thing they have, I believe it's called Outdoor Access. That's a program where people that own property can sign up with them. And they essentially lease their property for a day, a couple of days, uh, whatever the time period. And they'll post a what uh, harvest that you can have or what game that you're looking at, small game, big game. They got fishing. So you might have heard me talk about uh, actually the property that uh, I got my turkey on this year. That was an outdoor access property. They had a great pond. You probably heard me talk about fishing on there, breaking up my day. Uh, the first time I went out there, I was hunting deer and it broke up my day kind of fishing. Did the same thing when I was hunting turkey. Seemed kind of seems to work out for me. So there's a lot of things like that. There's some other programs, and I'll be honest with you, I don't remember them all because that's the one that I've utilized, and I don't have a lot of information on the other ones. But I see inside my various different you know outlets that I have various companies that provide certain things like that. I know like Mossy Oak has some properties and stuff. So you can find a lot of things like that. The cool thing about doing those is hopefully you're able to meet the landowner and they can probably help you out with some things. But sometimes it's not even that. It's just the property and and you're just going to have to get permission. And they will offer you days, multiple days, so you can go out and scout. And, you know, some are more flexible than others. So now just leave it there. But it's something kind of cool. But I'm absolutely 100% on point looking at getting some uh, public land uh, hunts in. I'm definitely going out to Uwari, hunt some deer. I'm not sure I'm going to go out there and go turkey. I'm probably committed to that lease area to do turkey hunting. Um, but for deer, definitely, I'm going to look at Tar Heel Game Land and Sand Hills Game Land. If you remember last year when I was talking about, uh, you know, hunting in a Tar Heel Game Land, I'm much more prepared for that area this year. After being out there, uh, doing some good scouting, uh, having uh, the having visual success with that six point and eight point that I walked up on. As you guys remember, I walked up on one at the Tar Heel Game Land as I walked in, and then as I was walking out after like all day walking out eight point boom. So I'm actually looking at probably going to a bow there. Um, I it's actually kind of a smaller area, and there's a lot of roads around it. I think I'm going to feel a little bit more comfortable taking a bow there, and then I. If I if if I get surprised like that, I can at least take a uh, ethical shot. I'm not as concerned about the roads. You know, if I'm taking a shot with a rifle, there's only a couple of lanes, at least that I saw. Unless I want to go back into the swamp area, that I can put my tree stand up and take a shot where I'm really angled down and I'm not really worried about a ricochet or anything like that going into the road. Um, so, if you guys have been out there, there's like a couple ponds out there in that that game land. Um, it's pretty interesting. And I, I got one area where I just got a ton of activity and I'm hoping it's kind of like that. There must be some good food there for uh, the deer. So I'm going to go head out to that area. I'm going out to Sandhills game land, Sandhills game land. There is a couple of areas that I focused on during my turkey hunt. I think it was, I think it was like the last turkey day or maybe the day before, 
Uh, but it was one of those last hunts for turkey this year. I spent a ton of time scouting out there, and I found a couple of good little food areas where I know they're going to be uh, congregating and coming in. I saw some great trails already setting up there. So I really feel that I'm going to have some success at Sandhills Game Land, and that's probably one area where I'm going to take my son with me, and we're going to spend some time out there. Um, I want to get to know that Game Land. It's not that far away from me. I really want to get to know it a little bit better. So a part of the whole hunt, I really want to spend some quality time scouting all through the year, get a better understanding of the field, the terrain, um, the habitat itself, and looking at areas that I would want to set up at, uh, depending on the the platform I'm using, where it's bow, shotgun, rifle. There's just so many things that I know for me personally that I'm going to have to consider. And again, I want to look at how the terrain sets, where those good areas where water collects and those patterns, how the terrain moves and seeing how animals kind of like work across that. I'm really, really excited about it. And yes, I'm definitely going to do some squirrel and some rabbit hunting this hunting season coming up uh, this year. Um, I'm excited about squirrel season. Last year, a big donut. I picked up a lot of trash, but I didn't pick up no damn squirrels. So I'm going to be a little bit prepared. I'm going to jump in on it much sooner. And you know, one area that I didn't speak about that I'm definitely going to dive in more to as well is uh, the Fort Bragg, the military base at Fort Bragg. I, I can get on there. I can go do some hunting there. So I'm going to focus probably a little bit archery there in some of the archery only areas, but you never know. Uh, we'll just see what kind of happens. And you know, some of that might change as, as time goes on. And I just get an opportunity when I sign in, there's not many hunters in that one area. I might just say, there you go. But yeah, so that's kind of my plan for the hunting season. I will keep you guys posted as we go on. As I go out and start getting scouting, I'm really going to get probably start my scouts probably end of this month. I'm going to have a little bit of time. I'm going to start going in. I'm going to start planning these things out, take my son out there with me and get him in the habit of building that discipline to go out be patient. It's going to be a little bit hot. Who cares? We're focused on success for later in the season or when the season starts, I should say. And it takes a little bit of work. Work. We put the work into it. We're actually going to have some success and I'm looking forward to it. Now, if any of y'all want to link up to do some scouting or even uh, maybe get on a hunt later this year, just let me know. Hit me up and you know maybe we can make it happen. You can just contact me at route16 at gmail.com. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X at gmail.com. We like to feature your success and outdoor adventure, so shoot the pics over to us with a brief story. Route16.com and select contact. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com and select contact. On target. What's up, everybody? It's Ron with Riker USA coming to you with this week's On Target segment on the Route16 Grind podcast. And something that is pretty hot in the news and really almost overland unrelated, I just want to talk to you guys and give you some perspective on issues with law enforcement in the common thread and the common topic of defund the police, dismantle the police, redistribute their funds. The biggest issue right now that majority of law enforcement and police departments across the country face is no money is lack of funds is money that was allotted for training equipment and promotions is reallocated to other things whether that be elected official raises park benches new lights uh, landscape whatever it's taken away from the guys who need it so i have what i like to call five pillars of law enforcement reform 
and they're pretty strict and they're pretty harsh, but as Brian can support and tell you this, the standard is the standard. And right now, there is not a standard. And this is going to probably butthurt some people and, and hurt some people's egos. But this is this is uh, kind of where we're at. And the lack of... Uh, the lack of... The lack of ability to perfect your craft in the law enforcement world and take the path of least resistance for career preservation is understandable, but it is also partly to blame for the situation we're in. Our law enforcement is hired for a job they are not trained nor allowed to do, and when they do their job, they are faced with lawsuits, termination, jail time, and it's not... I'm going to say that, you know, it comes down to common sense and judgment. Guys should be able, guys and, and women, men and women should be able to make better uh, on-the-spot decisions. But when they're not trained and they're not provided these opportunities to improve and the responsibility is for them to do it in their own time, on their own dime, it, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a lot of guys that can do that, especially when you have people that are supporting a family. So, first pillar. Marksmanship, firearms instruction. I view it as this. If you're law enforcement and you are protecting me, you are the first blanket of defense and security for myself and my family, you should be able to shoot better than me. Meaning our law enforcement needs to be trained on a special operations capable qualifications and standards. That's it. So what are you going to say? Not everybody can make 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 the standard that's fine then you don't you can be law enforcement and you can be in a support role but you will not be in the front line carrying a weapon you will be used for riot you will uh, only be allowed to use uh, the rubber bullets the beanbag guns and such like that and but you will continue to be given the opportunity to improve your stature and get to the point where you're qualified to carry live firearms I think that's one of the biggest things that's missing. Most cops get to qualify once a year. It's very similar to the military. Other than in special operations and in advanced infantry units, the, 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 the other Marines in other roles in non-infantry related fields, they go, to the, they go to the range once a year, five days, and then that's it till next year. So it's not a good plan, right? So the standard is a standard. The standard is a higher level of training and marksmanship and firearms instruction across the board. The second pillar is advanced medical training. These guys need TCCC, tactical combat casualty care. They need live tissue training. They need advanced medical training uh, that mirrors and parallels a paramedic or a special operations uh, corpsman and or 18 Delta, uh, Special Operations Medic. So a law, a, a police officer will come up on a three-car pileup and there'll be multiple injuries and bodies everywhere. And they're not necessarily trained on how to handle the wounded based on the, on the severity of their injury. So most times when a cop comes up on a multi-body, multi-car, multi-body, multi-wounded uh, accident, they're probably going to go to the person who's screaming the loudest. And the person who's screaming the loudest probably doesn't have the most severe wound. So we need to give these guys the tools 
that they need to help keep people alive until a higher power of medical uh, support can get on scene. The third pillar is these guys need social uh, social training, body language, de-escalation training. They need social interaction. They need to understand how to police and everything. And understanding, realizing that the firearm is the absolute last resort. It's not what you lead with. You gotta learn how to talk to people. You've got to have these classes. You have to have these interactions. You need to get in community groups and all these departments and get your get your officers trained and how to communicate better with all walks of life and start problem solving and and looking at other solutions to really de-escalate this and just allow uh, the law the, the, the cops to do their job but give them again more training and more education and more tools. The fourth pillar is mental health assessments and background checks. I know that after a traumatic event, they do a mental health assessment, but there's not generally a baseline. In the military, you do your security clearance. You have this form. It's called an SF-86. And this thing is, I'm exaggerating when I say it's 150 pages. It's probably like only 40 pages, but it's painful. And depending on the level of clearance that you are going for, depends on how far back, five years, 10 years of your life, you have to go. It is very difficult to fill out the uh, the point of this is is that they really dig into your background and your private life and looking for flaws looking for things that would uh, the uh, d- d- give the federal agent who's conducting this investigation give them reason to believe you should not have a security clearance uh, you know within the United States government so you need to do something like this with law enforcement. I think that baselines need to be established on mental health assessments and background checks. I think the background checks need to be conducted every 18 months, and I think the mental health assessment needs to be conducted every 90 days to six months. Uh, to Again, to establish that baseline. Now, the fifth pillar, their fifth pillar of, uh, of reform, how many police officers do you know that don't work overtime? And the answer is probably none. Uh, why do cops work overtime? Because they get paid a, a crap wage and they work overtime and pick up extra shifts to make ends meet. So now what you're doing is you're adding stress on the family, stress on the individual. So you got a guy who's doing four or five 12-hour shifts, has one day off, and on his day off he's moonlighting getting getting paid to be a cop at a parade or something like that. And again, not ever disengaging, not ever having that mental break. And this is where this supports the mental health assessment. So why do these guys do, why do these guys work so many hours? Because they have to, to make ends meet. So here's what we do. You don't allow overtime anymore and you raise the starting salary. Starting salary, I'm just using, I'll say Wilmington, North Carolina as an example because that's where I live. The starting salary for a rookie should be $65,000 a year. $65,000 a year, no overtime. You work four days. You work patrol four days. On day five, you have a day of firearms and combatives. BJJ, judo, something like that. All in-house, all done on the range. Day six, you have... You have community outreach issues and medical refresher training. Day seven, eight, and nine, you're off for three days. 
and then you're right back to work. This is an extreme position, but it can work, but people need to understand. So here's the other thing too, back to the overtime issue. Well, if I hire more cops, I'm not paying, I'm, I'm not paying overtime to individuals. I'm not stressing out my force. I'm creating a safer environment. I'm creating an environment that actually shows that they care about their employees. That's going to take the employees to a higher level of, uh, to protect and serve the public. And I think when you've got guys who are being able to unplug and disengage and understand, it's going to help them actually be better at their job. When you can remove stress, you can remove stress from your life, this is the other thing that's going to help. The other thing, though, too, with that cycle of four days, four days of patrol, one day of, one day of uh, firearms and combatives, and then one day of, uh, you know, community, community issues. Turn left onto I-140 East Topsail Island, Jacksonville, New Bern. With community issues and uh, medical training. I think this needs there needs to be weekly. You can spread it. I can, there's some there's some tweaking that we can do here, but it can't be a once a year thing, and it can't be a once a month thing. If you want to maintain a certain level of firearms, uh, you know, just surgical ability to take accurate shots while under physical stress in absolutely horrible conditions, you need to shoot all the time. You need to do it. It's a perishable skill, and. The combatives part is a part of that because that's also going to get them used to de-escalation if they go hands and allow them to have a different tool or toolbox before they have to rely on a pistol. Again, this is just you know my two cents on this. This is what I would love to see, and I know it is an extreme position. But the other thing too is in the military, especially in special operations, we have we have grooming standards, height and weight standards, and you know. Why Why are there fat cops? Why are there cops allowed to be obese? Why are there police officers? Now, I understand there's health issues and stuff like that, and I'm not taking away from that, but what I'm talking about is, is just physical appearance. You don't need somebody who is obviously overweight, who obviously couldn't run around their car to catch you out there policing and trying to protect your neighborhood. In the event that they're coming up on the scene and trying to break up some domestic violence, a dude's going to have a heart attack, you know, if, if, the, if it escalates to a physical altercation. So, again, that's just my two cents. Five pillars of police reform. I hope you guys are doing great and staying corona-free. And uh, like I like to say, is train safe, train smart, chain with a purpose. Give us a follow on Riker USA. And if you're uh, in the North Carolina area or you have a range, we will come and provide firearms training for the soccer mom to the special operator and everyone in between. All right. Talk to you guys next week on the Route 16 Crime Podcast. Hey, this is Mickey G, and uh, I just got to say I caught the show, and uh, Michelle, the uh, young lady who was in the survivalist show, oh, my gosh, that, what a story. You know, hunting and gathering your own food, that, that's amazing. I get to the edge of uh, the Domino's pizza delivery area, and I get kind of nervous. But uh, the one question on my mind is toilet paper. How? What? It? Why? I, 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 I don't understand. All right, guys. Uh, keep up the good work, and I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. 
Want to support the show? How about becoming a Route 16 Grind Patreon today for as little as a buck a month? It's not just a contribution, but an investment goes directly to the show. Help this podcast expand and grow. Check out the show notes for the links to our Patreon page. In the Rock, Mud and Dirt is brought to you by Warren Industries. At Warren, we pour our effort and our thirst for adventure into every product we make. You better believe American pride runs deep here in Clackamas, Oregon. Here, a small army of engineers, technicians, machinists, and assemblers design and refine worn products, bringing them as close to perfection as possible. Their work is backed up by legendary quality control that doesn't just stand up to rigid worn standards. It lives up to the toughest demands of the world's top vehicle manufacturers and military suppliers. How do we know? Because they've partnered with Warren for decades. This quest for peerless reliability, this worn difference will be around as long as Warren Industries is in business. At least another 70 years. Go prepared. Go Warren. Welcome to the Rock, Mud, and Dirt. This segment where I talk about the people, brands, products, and events from the off-road world. This week, I'm going to talk about my first trip of the season to the Uari Trail System and my review of the Nexon Rhodium MTX tires. Now, I went out this last weekend with two of my neighbors. Uh, one of them has extremely beefy YJ, and the other has a JKU. Um, those you don't know, I have a 2008 JKU Rubicon that I call Root the Jeep. And we also, when we drove up to, well, we three of us actually drove up to Uwari, you know, up there, and we ran into Nikki G. And like, hey, we're, you know, airing down. And Nikki was already out there. I think he went with a group earlier in the morning. And we were probably out there, I want to say nine, something like that, nine-ish. And yeah, there he was. And we're just talking. And I said, hey, man, you want to join us? So we did. So yeah, it was great. So we got a fourth. Um, we For me, I took, we're going to go to the tires real quick. So I put my pressure down to 15 PSI. Let me be clear here. I absolutely didn't plan that. So, so this is where instructions are important and supervision is just as important. Um, I told my son, Hey, Hey, go ahead and take this down to 20 PSI. Uh, hold this down. I came, kind of gave him a quick, like, Hey, there you go. Just go ahead and do it. Yeah, you got it. Da, 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 da. And I went about, you know, I was airing down the other tires and stuff like that. I did not use my DAT Brooks. Um, I just decided I wanted to give him an understanding of how to do it manually first. And then we'll move up to the JT Brooks. So uh, the tire deflators uh, there. So we were doing it by hand, uh, if you will. And, um, he was using the, I think my power tank, uh, gauge. And I went and go check on him real quick. And he was already down to almost, I think he was about 17 pounds at the time. I was like, Hey man, what's up? And so long story short on that, I decided let's just go to 15 PSI. Initially I was planning to go to 20 to see how it would do and all that. Well, let me tell you what the Nexum Rodian MTX tires did great, had great grip, great traction, great spread on the trails. Um, we hit the, you know, Jeep badge honor trail out there, uh, Dickie Bell. You know, personally, I'm not a real big badge honor guy. Th- those you are, hey, that's cool. I- I'm not judgy. It's just not my thing. Um, if you know, putting all those badges on the Jeep, I think it t- takes up prime real estate for the real horsepower decals. So I just, I'm just not, it's not my thing. But, uh, those of y'all, hey, it's cool. You can do it. Just not me. Um, we also hit, uh, Falls Dam, Rocky Mountain Loop, Wolf's Den, Dutch John. So it was a lot of variety. Now, depending on who you speak to, they'll tell you, Hey, the trail, the trails absolutely got some service. Uh, there's some areas got a little bit better service and there are some areas that didn't get so good of a service. And on top of it, it's later in the season. Normally season out here starts around the end of March. 
again, this is like beginning of July, and it's the first time that I went out there. So it's uh, pretty interesting uh, how some of the trails are and how people perceive those and, and, and everything. But there were definitely some challenges out there. Um, coming uh, up or down Dickey Bell, depending on which line you pick, could have some real gnarly rocks. I tell you what's pretty cool is fall dams over the years. Uh, it used to be a pretty easy trail, but they're starting to get a little bit of a rock garden out there. Now, you can look at it two ways. It's getting a lot of erosion, um, but I think for that area, it falls in really good. If you want to get into some just micro crawling, what I would call, and kind of get used to that type of thing, that's a really great area to go in the Uari Trail System, come off Wolf Den and into Falls Dam, some really good stuff out there. And everybody, I mean, I love Dutch John. Dutch John, there's this area where you kind of get channeled in. Think of like Bob Slendon, you know, you come around that turn, you got these walls there. So yeah, it's very cool and stuff. But we also, uh, when we're out there, it was like an XJ frenzy going on. Uh, I've never, ever seen so many XJs. And, and Nikki G, who drives an XJ, he was uh, definitely making note of that. Uh, he was pretty much the popular guy amongst the group in there. And they were everywhere, all shapes and sizes. I enjoyed seeing them. I always tell myself I want to get another one. Um, but I tell you what, all of us, we stayed together. We didn't run into major issues. Um, yeah, it was just a really great day. We're out there for about, you know, five, six hours. So after all those trails, we decided to just kind of end it, uh, air back up. And then we all kind of took off, uh, eventually our own separate ways. But again, the tires themselves, uh, they did fantastic. Um, you know, the sidewalls, you know, those things are three ply sidewalls. They had a fantastic grip on the side. I mean, there were some things that I was just so impressed with, with the turning that I was doing and coming across some rocks. It would just palm over these rocks so well. And again, I was at 15 PSI. Looking at it, it looked like I was actually at a lower PSI, but that spread was wrapped around. Uh, I was, again, I just really you know, pretty impressed. I never felt I lost steerable traction in any of the dry, wet, or muddy parts of the trail. Um, you know, ex- essentially, the Rodian MTX tire made an accessible road of any obstacle that was in Root's way. So the Rodian is in the tire tire name for a reason because it makes a road apparently. Um, and you know what? And on top of it, there's probably much better drivers out there than me. There were certain things with Root um, I just wasn't going to do um, because it was the first time I was out there. I want to kind of just you know get back into it. I'm not going to do anything crazy. And on, I replaced my catalytic converter. If you guys remember me talking about that a while back, and actually the the um, armor that's under to protect that area. It sits down about a quarter inch a little bit lower. It has spacers now. Um, I was getting a little tiny bit of rub on that on some of the areas, and I just wanted to be really cautious of that. But one thing I almost forgot to tell you guys about, when I was out on the trail, I'm trying to think what trail I was on. I don't remember. It was all awesome. <laughs> so um, one of the trails I was on, I came off a right turn pretty good. And uh, I went up on top of this rock and was going over it. And I didn't judge it right. Uh, I didn't pick my line right. And my right rear fender got a little, uh, you know, a uh, little crease out there and on against the rock there, which is fine. It's perfect. It could, you know, easily be, you know, bent out, whatever. I could replace the whole rear, right rear fender. No problem. It, you know, I have the uh, Smitty built fenders, the real thin ones, if you will. They perform really well. Um, I'm very impressed. I'm just going to kind of keep it. It's kind of like, you know, those type of dings are like Jeep tattoos. And it gives that, it gives Root a little bit more character. So 
it was a great time. Uh, it was very safe. It was nice to go in a small group. Not that I don't enjoy big groups, but sometimes it's a little bit more challenging. It could be honestly a little bit more frustrating. We were moving all day. We stopped, had lunch, I think at, uh, right after we got done with Dickie Bell, we stopped and had lunch for a little bit out on the trail, watched some other ones go. And then we just drove. We spent most of our time riding the trail and driving and waving to people and, and just enjoying our day. So if you guys are looking out, get out to your Wari. It's a really good time. I know that Carolina Trails had a group that went out earlier in the week. They went out like on a Monday. I got hit up by River Rat. And she's like, hey, you want to go wheel? I'm like, oh, man, I got to go to work. I was all sad that they're out there. They had some amazing pictures. They did. I know they went to Daniel. I figured that Daniel was pretty stacked because when we went out, the uh, if we would have hit Daniel in the morning, I think it would have been okay. But trying to hit that in the afternoon, it was going to be a stack. I already knew it. Um, but we hit the right time, and we just chose our plan. We chose our route. Well, we ensured that we had all the recovery gear that we needed. We had communication. We had all the things that we needed to have a safe event. And then everybody came out and we we're all happy. But my neighbor who has that YJ, oh my goodness, that thing is a beast. That was pretty cool. But ultimately we had a great day. So that's a summary. Um, the, the tires, fantastic. You guys want to hit me up, ask me some more. Oh, and someone did ask me about the sidewall. Uh, cause I went, they have two different sidewalls. They have kind of like, you know, the general normal, uh, uh, sidewall got the, just the tire tread marks on the side, you know, little different shapes. I went on, on my sidewall, I went with more of the, like a, it's like a graphic artist kind of claws and stuff. Um, it's, it's pretty aggressive, aggressive in look. And I was kind of, you know, some people, I, I call it, I, I'm not going to say it, but I, I call it something with my friends, but I was very impressed with it, man. It got some good grip. It got good grip in it. And you know, it's a different look. So that's one of the reasons I, I put them on the outside. If you guys are interested in uh, asking me your questions about that, hit me up at uh, route16 at gmail.com. Uh, they definitely got two thumbs up from me, and I can't wait till Paul starts his trip across country. I know he's got some things planned, and we're looking to help him with that journey. Want to be on the show? Maybe share with us some interesting hunting, fishing, overlanding, wheeling, or adventuring news? Then give us a call at the Route 16 Grind hotline at 919-694-3356, and maybe you will be on our next show. Since 1989, Tuffy Security Products has been the industry leader in automotive security. Tuffy has a variety of vehicle-specific consoles, drawers, and lockboxes. Tuffy manufacturers adventure-ready organization and security for your Jeep, truck, or SUV. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. The Cup of Joe segment is brought to you by Sea steak Coffee. Have you ever actually drank good coffee? Stop wasting your money on old, stale coffee from the store and make the switch to Sea steak Coffee. Sea steak Coffee is a United States Marine Corps veteran-owned and operated roastery selling premium coffee that's roasted on order and delivered fresh to you. Order your coffee today at www.seasteakcoffee.com. What a great show. I totally enjoyed that had dr joe jergeson on there presidential candidate that's crazy that's crazy hey i really want to appreciate i really appreciate her campaign for really advocating for her to kind of 
get on this podcast, get a different audience. I'm, I'm telling you guys, her time, very limited. She is really gaining traction. That was not showmanship or anything. She really is gaining some traction as a third-party candidate, and she's getting a lot more interviews, a lot more FaceTime with some lot much bigger audience, and I'm hoping ours will grow too. It was really cool for her to allocate her time to us to talk about some things that we really focus on, specifically with public lands. Now, the cool thing is this, later in the month, I'm going to have an interview with the vice presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party, Spike Cohen, and we're going to probably have somewhere like 40, 50 minutes with him. At least that's what the campaign's kind of telling me, and I really hope so, and we're going to go a little bit deeper in some of these things. I absolutely, because we talked about taxes and I hate paying taxes. I hate paying taxes. Hate it, hate it, hate it. I could literally hire a squire to carry all my stuff for what I pay in taxes. I hate it. It bugs the crap out of me, uh, especially for the services I get in return for those taxes. They're just, I mean, I wouldn't want to pay someone to do the type of service because it's really not the best service. And, you know, there are some good things the government does, I guess, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that can be better. Yeah, man, I just want more freedom. I want more liberty. I just don't see it in these two candidates at all. And I think you guys should really check out uh, Dr. Joe Jurgensen. Go to her webpage, jojay2020.com. Look at all the stuff she's putting out there. I guarantee you she's a candidate you're going to get a lot more freedom with than any other one. You guys stop listening to me because of that. Um, I That's really unfortunate. I'm going to miss you. I enjoy the fact that a lot of things that we do here, a lot of the activities we do, we're able to integrate uh, with different people we normally wouldn't communicate with. So this, how I look at this podcast, look at all the things that we do in the activities is we can come together and we can help each other build solutions. That's it. So if I isolate you or you isolate me and say, oh, I don't like that. I'm just not going to talk to him. That's like literally my neighborhood. Like all these people on the Facebook page, it's like, we wouldn't want our children to act that way. It's horrible. Oh, you suck because you like this person. Well, I don't agree with you, but you know what? I'm more than happy to have a beer with you. That's kind of how I look at it. And you can listen to different points of view, different perspectives. And the more important, more importantly, you can kind of get educated. I don't know everything about everything, and I'm sure you don't either. And we can both get smarter on some topics because at the end of the day, the power is really in the people. We need to get that back. I think one thing we can agree with is right now the government has so much power over us and it's wrong. And we need to change that. We need to get the power back in the people remind government that yes our vote does matter remind government that hey this is for us it's not for their power for this isolated group for this person to boost their ego for this person to get all the checks and that they want to be in congress or some position in power for like 40 50 years that's ridiculous it's just ridiculous let's let's really try and get our country back in so many different ways i'm just really disappointed where we're at all around and I think, honestly, I mean, Dr. J, she's probably going to do a better job at reeling some things back in. May not agree with them all. I hope you'll definitely give her a look and see if there's some balance there. The way I look at voting is this. Which candidate is going to move me closer to liberty? Period. And that's it. So I have done a lot of write-ins uh, in my uh, voting the last few years. So Dr. Jurgensen, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And thank you to our campaign team for really advocating and bringing her on. Now, we also covered, or I also covered, 
the trip to Uwari. That was so fun. I know I just kind of covered it, but still, it was fun. It was a small group. I really enjoyed it. And I'm not here to say hurt anybody's feelings, big groups I've been with, but it was just fun. We had a great plan. We executed a great plan. The plan changed a little bit. We you know, Nikki G was out there and he joined the crew and he integrated it quickly. And we just had a good time, man. I mean, it was just a great thing. Everybody did great. Um, I got a little bit of crease in my right rear fender, big deal, you know, little Jeep tattoo there now. Um, but everything's functional and it was nice to get out there and get on those trails first time of the year and have my son with me. I think, yeah, all of us had our sons with us uh, and stuff. Uh, Nikki G was solo. But um, yeah, man, it was just a really good time. It was nice to get out there. It's a beautiful day. Now, Instructor One covered something that absolutely the public needs to dive in and probably a little bit of inward viewing uh, from people in the law enforcement environment. Uh, you know, he had like five pillars of police reform. He covered some great things. Really transparent here. I had this long laundry list of soapbox things I was wanted to talk about. But I really didn't want to take the attention away from all the things that we discussed here so far. And that might be in a later podcast. Maybe when we talk with Spike, we'll cover some of those things. I'll be honest with you. I definitely want to cover some prison reform. I'm glad that Dr. Jorgensen brought in the uh, the the Medicare and she talked about the VA system and stuff. Those are important things. I know a lot of listeners, especially veterans out here, every one of us cares about medical coverage. So it was nice for her to cover something that's not normal within uh, the podcast format here. But it was great that she could throw that in. Understanding these things are important to all Americans. So with Spike, I definitely want to dive in some of that stuff. And yes, prison reform is one of those things I want to have a good understanding. If you guys want me to ask a question that's important to you, whatever it may be, throw it out there. I'm going to type the stuff up and I'm going to have a whole laundry list of things. And, you know, hey, if we can cover it, we can cover it. If I don't get to yours, don't feel like I isolated. I didn't. But I will do my best. Um, and honestly, if it's something kind of like really ridiculous, I'm probably not going to ask it. I, you know, their time is valuable and, and so is mine. And this this podcast being selected as uh, an opportunity to have, you know, no, no kidding, like, you know, presidential candidates on here. I'm, I'm blown away. So uh, I kind of do want to keep it in tone there. Uh, we can be silly and all that. But this too important of an election year to kind of do that, I think. I think we need to kind of get the answers we're looking for, for sure. And, uh, you know, police reform, you know, Ron always brings some solid topics to us for us to think about, for us to discuss. Uh, And and that's what I love about what, you know, Ron, Instructor One from Rike USA brings with all this stuff. There's not one time I've had one of the topics he's come on, I haven't had a conversation with someone over it, get their point of view and whatnot. Did you agree with everything he said? Maybe some of you do, some of you don't. There's a couple things that I don't necessarily agree 100% with, but I get the intent of the discussion. There are things that have to happen. There needs to be some level of reform, and there has to be some honesty when it comes to police reform. And that honesty needs to come from the public, and it needs to come from the police, the law enforcement parts themselves. Okay, so enough of that soapbox on, on that one. Um, far as like hunts, I would love to hear about your hunts, things that you are planning. Is there anything interesting you're going to go? And I know, and someone hit me up. I'm, I know we need to cover fishing more. I need to get on that. I, I'd be, I'll be honest with you. I don't fish enough. I really need to. I really need to. I enjoy it. I just need to do it more. I want to take my sons out to uh, get a charter and go out in the inlet and do some fishing. I enjoy that. We've done it a few times. I've really had a great time with them. I think this time we're absolutely just going to focus on catching stuff that we can eat. We did the whole seafood thing. We caught crabs, clam, like 
was it crab whatever but uh shellfish essentially we got a bunch of those the fish that i kind of like those uh red drums man dude those things hit pretty good uh, but it'd be nice to kind of get out there and do that um what else what else did I, oh yeah so Caroline Trails Off-Road, congratulations. You guys won the My Worst Recovery Giveaway. You are going to get the Factor 55 Haas Fairlade 1.0, the Flatlink E Expert, and the Flatlink Rope Guard. Appreciate your contribution. You guys had a great story that you offered, and we have a bunch of scary cats out there that didn't throw something in there. So you guys were the only ones to really do the tagging and all the things that we needed to do. It just wouldn't have been fair to, to not give it to you as a summary. So if you guys hate on me, then go ahead, send me your hate mail and whatnot. But they did put in the My Worst Recovery hashtag. They made sure to follow Factor 55, everything on there. So I really appreciate it. I did get a couple people hit me up about it. They were just nervous about social media not being kind to them. And that's pretty sad. I mean, that's really sad uh, for someone not to be able to share their story. Because I guarantee you, no matter how good or bad it was, we can learn from it. Every one of us can learn from it. So, you know, next time do it anonymous, maybe. I don't know, just make up an account and then post it. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, I gave you guys some ideas now. So far as future giveaways, I do have a July one. I think it's going to be an outdoor product. I'm looking at maybe, I don't know, next week, the week after that. It's only going to, that one's only going to be maybe a couple weeks long. I'm not going to have it as long as this one. So plan on that. I'm going to think about it, but it should be an outdoor product. If you guys are like into that, whatever. But if you're not, then hey, maybe you can still win and give it to somebody that likes to go out and do some hunting, fishing, and all that stuff. I guarantee you, no matter what you do in the outdoors, you're going to be able to use it. I promise you that. So I hope you guys are doing well uh, as we go into the 4th of July weekend. I challenge you to really reflect on this country and the direction that we as a voter uh, want to take it. I want, I would love for you to reflect on uh, our past. I would love for you guys to reflect on, you know, understanding where our roots are. <clears throat> like, I don't know, maybe read the constitution, understand it. If there's one thing that I can see consistently just in my local neighborhood, <clears throat> most people don't even understand what freedom really is. They really don't. It's just a byline. They don't understand what liberty and freedom, what it entails and what it truly is. Freedom is not whatever I like and you don't like. If freedom is just that. It means I have to absorb things I don't like, such as people saying mean things. I might have to absorb that, but they're free to do so. Not saying they're right, but that's freedom. Freedom also is, hey, you know what? This is my property. Why is, is someone telling me what I can or can't have on it? That's freedom. Freedom is being able to just travel and not be stopped just because there's so many things that we have as liberty and freedom that we just ignore and neglect to really understand. You guys really need to dive into the Constitution, and it's not just First and Second Amendment. I mean, I'll be honest with you, one of my favorite amendments is the Ninth Amendment. Ninth Amendment, because it's strictly, it, it's, it literally says that all the rights, they're ours. They're ours. They were not, they're not given to us as you know, a government didn't say, hey, we're just going to give you rights. No, those rights were ours. They're not the government's to give. They're ours just by birth. By our own right, they're ours. And then the big rights that you guys hear, just because it's in the Constitution, those are not those are not only your rights. Your right to pick what you want to dress, that's on you. So it talks the Ninth Amendment talks about all the powers that are enumerated in the Constitution and those not enumerated. 
So it doesn't limit your rights. That's why it's one of my favorite ones. And then obviously the 10th Amendment with state rights, which we just totally neglect so many times. So I, I really would love for people to dive in this 4th of July and really reflect on the Constitution. One thing that you need to ask your, yourself this question, why is the government so much in your life? Because it causes so many problems. Example, why is government even in marriage? I mean, we're fighting, hey, gay marriage, this marriage, that marriage. Why is government even involved in that? Really? I mean, to me, it's simple. Get out of my life and just let me be married. Done. You know, why is the government even involved in that action? So a lot of things are just kind of ridiculous. Now, you personally might have some type of objection to certain things, but why is that your business? I think if you can apply the mind your business clause somewhere in there, that really would help out too. Because why is that your business, what someone else is doing? It's not. It's not. You don't have to like what they like. They don't They don't have to like what you like. And you just mind your own damn business. There's so many things where people need to feel they have had power over others. It's ridiculous. And they don't get their way. So they go, oh, hey, let me go find someone that's going to be my thug. Because that's really what's going to happen. You're bringing government in to be your thug. And so anyways, I kind of, I kind of didn't, didn't want to go that far down that rabbit hole, but really look into your rights, really understand the liberties that you have and understand not just for you, but for the people around you, they're just as important. Essentially, if we could just mind our own damn business, we can really live free with true liberty. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Route 16 Grind. Remember, if you have an idea or maybe you'd like to contribute to one of our segments, heck, if you want to be a guest, all you have to do is go to Route16.com and select contact and let us know your idea. Let us know when you're available. Let us know what you want to bring. We would love to talk with you. We would love to share your story. We would love to hear the things that you want to share with the audience. All you got to do is hit up Route16.com and select contact. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com and select contact. Thanks for listening to the Route16 Grind. We want to thank our amazing sponsors, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, C-State Coffee, and Route16 Off-Road for their support. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and more. Just look for Route16, that's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X, or just go to Route16.com. Until next week, plan smart, be safe, and as always, be prepared. The next president could be a Jeep girl.